0: we invited so many of our past editors and contributors who were leading and running and working behind the scenes on the religious studies project over the last decade we asked them to record uh, short contributions for us uh we said that we needed them we were asking (laughs) yet again as so many asks have been made of everyone in the past um how they got involved the contributions that they were proud of and and what the contribution of the rsp has been on the field and and we got back um a great number of responses from former editors all of whom are very very busy uh at this moment um Foundational for us, though, were, were two of the leading voices, um, both uh, institutionally and academically and financially uh, supporting uh, the idea of the project and, and, and David and Chris as they started it. So um, can you introduce the, the first two voices that we're going to hear?
1: So the two voices that we're going to hear are Professor Carol Kuzak of the University of Sydney and Professor Russell McCutcheon of the University of Alabama. Take it away.
2: How did I get involved in the RSP? That's a question that goes back to my going on a teaching exchange in 2009 at the University of Edinburgh when Professor Jim Cox of Edinburgh went to Sydney. And during that teaching exchange, I had Chris Cotter, one of the founders of the Religious Studies Project, as a student in my Sociology of Religion unit, And David Robertson, whom I already knew from earlier visits to Edinburgh, audited part, at least, of that course, I remember. But the major way I got involved in the Religious Studies Project is that I believe I made possible the meeting between David and Chris that got everything started. It was Saturday, the 11th of December, in 2010. The following year. It was a ferociously cold winter and David and his partner Aileen were waiting on the birth of their second son, Rex, and there was anxiety about being snowed in and all sorts of issues. And six of us gathered at the wash, the bar that's often frequented by people from religious studies at the University of Edinburgh, because it's just next door. And we were having drinks, and it was me and my partner Donald and our friend Tim Dawson, who was working in Leeds at the time and was staying with us for that weekend in Edinburgh, and David, Chris, and Liam Sutherland. And the germ, I think, of the RSP came together at that particular drinks gathering. Of course, the following year in 2011, it really got started with both the British Association for the Study of Religion conference, which took place in Durham, uh, began on the 4th of September 2011, and then later on that month at the European Association for the Study of Religion, which took place in Budapest from the 18th of the 9th, because it was at those two conferences that both Chris and David made the first interviews that they were to launch the Religious Studies Project with in 2012.
3: I'm not sure how it first came to my attention back in, uh, I guess, very early 2012, I'm sure I saw a social media post, or maybe I got an email. Wasn't that James Cox's interview? But phenomenology of religion. But early on, I think I remember writing um, Chris and David, thinking it was just a great idea what they were doing. Uh, not least because uh, they were doctoral students at the time, and uh, they took initiative and they built something. They made something. I always fear that too often people in any social group take their surroundings for granted as if they've uh, always been that way. Um, having been involved in a variety of different projects in the field over my career, um, I know that with uh, a big dose of luck always, but there's a uh, hard work and a good idea that animates a lot of what we now take for granted that just kind of happened, came into somebody's mind late one night at a conference, sitting there talking to friends. Who knows where this all comes from? Uh, And they did it, and uh, it's become something pretty remarkable since then. I think it's had a remarkable impact. It's created an audio archive of a variety of international scholars of religion talking about the things in the early 21st century that animate our work, that strike us as important uh, in either our writing or our teaching. So to look over the list of interviews that have been done, let alone the wide array of people who've been involved in doing these interviews, it's not just early career people, but predominantly early career people. And in a moment where the humanities are having difficulties, funding challenges in a variety of countries in terms of uh, higher ed and cuts. Um, the Religious Studies Project, I think, has played a, a key role in helping a large number of people stay involved, stay current, uh, and professionalize themselves, meet people, make connections. One never knows where these things go, and in and of themselves, they're probably obviously not sufficient. But it's played a tremendous role. And it's thanks to uh, a couple guys who had a good idea and and then carried through and got others involved.
2: But I think it's more important in this question for me to answer what I think the RSP has done for the field of religious studies. And I think it stands out. It's astonishingly professional. um, And it was pioneering. There are many, many people now running podcast projects, and some of them are great and really worthwhile, but none of them have the professionalism, the longevity, the diversity, the incredible showcasing of talent that the Religious Studies Project has. And I know that every time I recommend it to students, to colleagues, there is this cry of amazement that this amazing and wonderful resource is there just for everyone to use. And I think the pattern of getting people to respond to podcasts, getting people to discuss and to bring together things, as well as things like the Opportunities Digest and the fun bits like the Christmas specials and the quiz shows, these things make the Religious Studies Project unique. And I've been hugely proud to be associated with it. And um, it's one of my personal... Uh, favorite roles to think of myself as being one of the trustees of the RSP, as I have been since it became a charitable trust. I think it
0: speaks well of what David and Chris have started, that Russell's invocation of, it was just two graduate students they didn't know what they were doing. They had a new idea. They tried it out. They made it work, and now it's a thing, right? <laughs> isn't that just isn't that just the way of things, right?
1: It really speaks to who uh, David and Chris are. That they sort of, you know, were sitting around in a pub, and then all of a sudden, you know almost 10 seasons later, and we have this phenomenal resource that is just, as we said earlier, changing the scene of 10 religious years, studies. 10 and years, thank David, you to Carol and Russell really for your kind words about the project.
4: I know for a fact it's been 10 years because Rex had his 10th birthday about 10 days ago. Um, so when Carol told that story, it was, uh, it was major flashbacks. Oh. I, I feel 10 years older but most of that's been because of this year, I think.
5: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I've I've been thinking a lot, uh, listening to this episode before it went out, just thinking, you know, what would I give to have the time that we
4: had 10 years ago to be doing all of this stuff? Oh. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? When you, you think, what have I done this year? I haven't done anything. And then you think back um, on a longer term and you realise, you know, things like the RSP and
5: all the rest of it yeah things happen things happen so yes um, I'm, I'm chris cotter and he's david robertson we're interjecting in this uh, celebratory episode oh you know it's a little bit uncomfortable to listen to you know it feels like you know blowing blowing of trumpets
4: uh, yeah day. well i mean i'm scottish i don't like compliments anyway um and the whole thing starting to feel a little bit mythological these stories about the origins of the rsp which was essentially some conversations and then a bunch of speaking to people yeah exactly some well placed emails some
5: uh, um how do you do um it, it it's also important you know I think we would both both hesitate to use the word British uh, when describing ourselves but um we're from these islands um whether they're called the British Isles the Atlantic Isles the, the whatever um I think we're actually the only voices on the podcast um from the the uh, geographical region where the podcast uh, originated um well that's an important point um Carol referenced um how important that first BASR conference trip was in uh, 2011 And, you know, David, uh, we went to that conference with uh, a Zoom H2 dictaphone that we'd uh, borrowed from the University of Edinburgh just uh, on the off chance that we might get something recorded. Uh, We hadn't really gone in with a plan. Um, Neither of us had been to a proper conference before or spoken at a conference, and and I think we left with five interviews um, and, and an official endorsement from the BASR
4: yeah the b a s r were immediately supportive um which is amazing to think uh you know they didn't know us very well uh, we'd met we'd met a couple of people i guess before but i mean particularly Graham harvey and Dominic right, immediately um saw the potential and supported us and um they that uh you know just that little bit of cachet and the little bit of financial support really not a huge sum of money but just enough uh to keep us running for the first couple of years is something that we are very grateful for to this day
5: yeah so big big thanks to the psr and then we have been joined um uh, latterly by um nasser by the iehr by the australian association um We've got a nice uh, collaboration with the European Association. We've done things in the past with, uh, with Socral, uh, BSA Socral as well. And the triple SR. Um, and you'll hear a bit more about the sort of, um, conference side of things from, uh, one of our, uh, stalwarts uh, later on in this podcast. Um, but uh, you should also, uh, for a more sort of official institutional history, um, you should check out um, a podcast um, that w- was released a couple of years ago. Uh, it was called The BSR and the Future of Religious Studies. But there's a section in that um, where I talk about the history uh, and the making of the RSP. And we also had a a book chapter uh, on that um, in, in a, a book edited by Chris Cantwell and uh, Christian Peterson, um, Digital Humanities uh, and the Study of Religion. So check that out.
4: Yeah. And in the meantime, though, I think it's uh, it's much more important to focus on where we are now. So, uh, if we go back to Brie and Dave, they're gonna do something, uh, give us some numbers.
0: So. So in terms of, of those numbers, why don't you run us through some of the numbers that we, <laughs> that we can share with listeners? You know, from, from, from the tech side of things, numbers are always challenging, but there's also such great numbers to be proud of. We're really proud of, of the metrics that we pull here um, without, without funding, without advanced skills, without a whole team to, to market us and produce us. Uh, we're still doing some fantastic things, aren't we, Bree?
1: we certainly are. Just to rattle off a few numbers, and of course, numbers don't tell the whole story, and they should not be our only metric, but we have around 350 episodes, not including our discourse episodes. We have 340 responses, and we do love the the discussion that those responses bring to our podcast episodes. We are running on 930,000 downloads, so we definitely need your help to get over a million. That is Dave and I's real wish to get over a million downloads
0: it's coming it's coming
1: it's a coming real soon and one i'm personally really proud of is that we've had 586 contributors and i think the fact that we have such a wide variety of people contributing to the project is one of its real strengths that we don't always have the same perspectives and the same views so we're hoping to increase the number of people that are contributing to the project over the coming seasons
0: yeah and and there's so many people that have been contributed the editorial team that started with David and Chris grew to include Lewis uh Louise Connolly, uh per Smith, Kevin Whitesides, uh Hannah Litton, uh Nutmelver, Martin LePage, Venetia Robertson, Jane Scoldy, Katie Aston, Thomas Coleman, uh Jonathan Tuckett, Sammy Bishop, Merrick Sullivan, Helen Bradstock, Ben Marcus. There's been so many people we we wanted to solicit all of them um uh to invite them to give their feedback uh, about things. And and thankfully, so many of them have shared, and we'd like to um, share those with you as well now about some of the things that have really um, meant the world to, to the leaders of the RSP over the last 10 seasons.
1: So now we're going to hear from two of our current contributors. We are going to hear from Dan Gorman, Andrew W. Mellon, Digital Humanities Fellow at the University of Rochester, and Candice Mixon, Assistant Professor at Occidental College. Take it away.
6: For my career, being a part of the Religious Studies Project has, it's, it's helped me in two ways. The first is to think about communicating scholarship to the general public instead of just to other academics. I think that's good practice for anybody in academia to get. And the other thing for my career is that it's given me some exposure to the digital humanities, um, coordinating and conducting interviews remotely, using different recording technologies like um, Audacity or Zencaster. I think, again, these are useful skills for anybody to have, um, especially since during the pandemic, we're all living through our computers. As for the field in general, I think the RSP's Big contribution is again making scholarship accessible to the, to the general public um, and framing these theoretical and pressing conversations in ways that people who, you know, don't have an advanced degree can still get something from the conversation. I think there's an incredible need for, for that right now for scholarly communication that's acceptable, accessible, um, non condescending, well produced also. And in my experience, the RSP has checked all of those boxes very well. It's a great project to be a part of um, in a small way. And I look forward to seeing what the project will produce in the next decade.
7: I think the Religious Studies Project really builds religious studies as a discipline. Um, Sometimes I get asked to interview someone who's outside of my discipline or outside of my perhaps even comfort zone. And I find that I am able to find a common language within religious studies to discuss things with other people. I also find that it gets really exciting to reach out to my networks or people that I really admire and I'm really humbled to be talking to um, as a peer. And I think that that's a really wonderful connection to build as far as our network goes. Um, I feel that the Religious Studies Project really is a community both in the aspects of the people that work on it. I feel very comfortable sharing things with the people that I work with at the Religious Studies Project. I also feel that the contributors and the people who you know, interview and respond and all of that are of a certain kind of Religious Studies scholar. And I really feel that we make a
0: community. Two of our contributors who have really helped us in the past couple of seasons uh, is interviewer Sidney Castillo, a doctoral student now in social and cultural anthropology at the University of Helsinki in Finland. Sydney has been doing amazing work for us at conferences across uh, Europe and uh, in South America, given his focus on uh, religion in Peru and issues relating to Peru. He's been a huge uh, force for us about diversifying the sense of non English speakers um, who are participating in many European uh, English led uh, conferences. Here's what Sydney has to say.
8: What contribution are you most proud of? Definitely the Peruvian interviews I did. Like, were well, around like six, if I'm not wrong. Six Peruvian scholars I featured in the RSP, and also. Those are very important for me because it's somehow representing what Peruvian scholarship and South American overall can be within other academic spaces, specifically in English-speaking spaces. And also, the, during my tenure here at CEU, well, still, I'm still in, based in Budapest. I also did some interviews to Central and Eastern European scholars. But I, th- I would say that the highlight of this year It's the Armin Geertz interview from Narcos University, because I later found out that he quoted the interview in an article that he wrote. So that was a very feel-good moment for me. And it means that, yeah, the podcast is, it gets out there.
0: Another really valuable voice for us is um, newly joined uh, response editor, Lauren Osborne, Associate Professor of Religion at Whitman College. Lauren has been hugely influential for us on the back end, helping us gather responses each week. Her specialty uh, on the recitation of the Quran uh, and uh, sound and experience of textual things has really helped us to try to cultivate some new sensibilities about the kinds of materials that we're working with here Her comments here about the subfield of Islamic studies is something that we have wrestled with deeply at the RSP.
9: For me, working on the site has been incredibly helpful in terms of facilitating my general conversancy across the field of religious studies. So uh, my background is in religious studies, and my area of specialization specifically is in Islamic studies. Um, and I think this is the case in across religious studies in that it's quite a big tent field in many ways that that results in... Um, I think that can be a little counterproductive in certain ways where we can often become quite siloed with our own conversation partners and with our own areas of interest. I think this is particularly the case in Islamic studies, which is both part of religious studies and kind of can be separate or tangential to it as well. Um, And so one thing I really enjoyed when I was in graduate school was that I had to read and think uh, really widely and that I had contact with an incredibly wide range of people across the field. Once I think many of us get out into the working world and start working and are areas specifically this um, this can diminish I think insofar as uh, we lose a lot of the time that we would have spent making those kinds of contacts and the opportunities for them it gets it gets uh, sucked up in the teaching world which encourages us to think and work widely in many ways as well especially for someone like me who's in a small a small program um, but I, I've sort of I became concerned about losing contact with uh, those areas of the field that I wouldn't I wouldn't ordinarily have contact with. So that's been really helpful. I I would imagine the site could be incredibly helpful for people um, in that way as well. And then additionally, in general, just I've always find listening to a podcast highlighting a specific person's work to be really an incredibly time efficient way to become familiar with their ideas, kind of their personality, what they're like, um, and to introduce folks to work in a more in-depth way than they might ordinarily be able to achieve in just an hour's worth of time.
1: I really do echo the sentiments said by both Sydney and Lauren there, David, the idea that the RSP brings people from different disciplines together. And it's a real strength of the project that we are able to take knowledge and work together with people from other disciplines. And I would love everybody who is listening to this episode to let us know on socials, let us know on Facebook, let us know on Twitter, who is somebody's voice that you would love to hear on the project doesn't have to be from religious studies. If it's somebody in sociology, if it's somebody in anthropology, if it's somebody in a completely different field, if someone's doing the religion of maths, we want to hear from them. If there really is someone doing the religion of maths, really send us, send them our way. Let us know on socials who you would love to hear from on the project. Now, the project is not just about, you know, getting knowledge out there. We are also pride ourselves on helping people in their careers, particularly early career scholars. We want to give everybody that leg up and get into the difficult field that is academia. So now we're going to throw it over to Thomas J. Coleman and Ray Radford to talk about what the RSP has done for them in their career.
10: What contributions am I most proud of? Although I'm very proud of my behind the scenes work. The contribution I am most proud of is the production of 24 podcasts on the psychological and cognitive study of religion, which put these disciplines in conversation with the RSP's focus on the critical study of religion on my personal website, ThomasColeman.guru. I proudly list the completely unverified claim that the RSP hosts the largest repository of psychology and cognitive science of religion podcasts in the known world. It is An indisputable fact that my involvement with the RSP has positively impacted my career in at least two interrelated ways. First, working for the RSP is like having a VIP backstage pass to any academic conference I went to. It formed an integral part of my networking by putting me in touch with scholars in multiple disciplines from around the world. Second, it was also an easy way to learn and retain information related to my own academic studies. When I read an interesting book or article, I also sought out the author to record a podcast based on their work, which in turn further added to my subject matter knowledge and networking by publicly associating this unknown student's name, little old me with the top scholars I'd interviewed.
11: For my career,
10: I don't think it's done
11: much yet I say yet because I'm still in the early early phases of anything career wise. I think it's allowed me to meet some new new and amazing people, uh, which is amazing, and I quite enjoy that aspect of it. Um, uh, I've, I've utilized the RSP in my own teaching. I've introduced students to blog um, to the podcasts and to the. Um, the responses on these as ways of getting new and informative data. Um, and I think the RSP is only going to continue getting bigger and better as it continues on and on. And, you know, we've gone to, through 10 seasons. We can only go through another 10 more and do amazing things. And I think that we're going to do um, wonderful things.
4: Chris, I don't know about you, but I it's been really rewarding hearing from all these people that we've uh worked with over the years
5: um and this is only the tip of the iceberg as well um so many folk um as as has been mentioned
4: um really and they've been you know we've they've they've said the things that they've got from it but you know i've i've got a lot from working with these people uh people come in with skills that we didn't have i mean the project wouldn't be what it is today without people coming in with web skills and social media skills and you know all of these things that we you know we were just making it up as we were going along let's face it absolutely and
5: especially you know when we set out we set out to initially do maybe you know 10 episodes or something um largely geared towards what was happening in the edinburgh rs uh, research seminar and just seeing what came our way and you know so we were kind of doing everything ourselves uh, along with louise Connolly um at the beginning and she was quite instrumental in, in kind of g'ing us along and helping us with because she was working with the digital humanities such as they were a decade ago and she was quite useful in that regard but yeah um we could not have kept it going um at the level that we started it by doing it ourselves i think you know we were doing everything from the social media to the, the building the website running the website doing all the recordings and so it was necessary absolutely necessary to get all these folk um involved quite early on
4: um yeah absolutely i mean i'm thinking of you know getting a professional website from like newt melver helping us with that um daniel Favand really uh forcing us to organize and you know put systems in place for the first time
5: yeah perfect, um, really
4: <laughs> yeah venetia really professionalizing the social media um uh, tommy just his behind the scenes it, it needs a deserves a shout out on its own just um him being uh you know looking after the schedule and posting things yeah. so that gave us the time to really improve a lot of other things, improve the audio and um yeah and concentrate on finding new interviewers rather than just doing everything ourselves because time was so tight
5: absolutely and like a big thing I've learned from this this isn't
4: a sort of a criticism of of any
5: of our listeners or anything, but it's just been a a real eye opener into. It just how much work something can be just to keep a project running, you know, uh, to keep something like this running. Um, and you know, when you might be a sort of casual consumer thinking, Oh, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Or you know, the audio wasn't great in that episode or, you know, wouldn't it be great if they could have a better search bar on the website or that sort of thing. Um, just having been on the receiving end of that and, and working with, uh, this huge team is just testament to, you know, like these things take a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and we couldn't have done what we've done up until now um, without all these folk. Um, And I'll certainly be a a, lot less willing to to cast aspersions on on sort of other resources that are out there, given what I know goes on behind the scenes and what all these people have been doing um, at the RSP.
4: But also the other side of that is to remind people that you know we did literally start with the two of us and a hundred pound digital recorder, and uh, you know and a free WordPress site. So you can do this and then level up and systematize uh, as you're going. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so and and the other thing I guess that we wanted to mention was you know of all of the people who've contributed. Um, one thing that we always wanted was to get to a point where, uh, the people who were helping us run it, that we could actually put them in the front and for us to take a step back, um, for lots of reasons, but mostly so that we could make it into a, into a legacy thing, something that was not just the Chris and David show, that it was something, um, beyond us and that yeah. we were you we were part of but not it wasn't about us so uh-huh. when we were able to hand over to david and brie um that was for me that was one of the, the 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 greatest things that happened in the rsp
5: yeah it was the kind of fulfillment of of the the name in and of itself um i can't remember if we were that explicit at the time but you know we, when we were banging around for names for for what we were going to do um we didn't just want to go in with something like the Religious Studies Podcast that seemed sort of both too restrictive in the one sense and too much of a grandiose claim, I think, to be making that we are the Religious Studies Podcast. Um, so project that uh, was what we landed on, um, in another pub, this time in Durham, uh, with, uh, Liam Sutherland, uh, batting around ideas with us. And, um, the idea was that it would be a, a project which is something collaborative, something, um, multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary, and all of the things that religious studies is for us, um, but also, um, ongoing. So, um, beyond, um, the two of us, and it's been great to see that happen. And, um, yeah, I think it's about time we, we sort of heard from what Dave and Brianne have been getting out of it themselves.
0: So, Brie, this is halfway through our second season as the co-editors-in-chief, (laughs) co-hosts, co-responsibility for for the project. Um, How are you thinking about how things are are going with the RSP?
1: It has been an amazing thing to sort of take the working helm with you, Dave. And having done it over, as you say, halfway through the second season, I think – One of the things I'm most proud of is the way that we've really sort of embraced diversity going forward. We've really tried to sort of get different continents involved, scholars that we've never heard of before, different perspectives on different topics. And I'm really loving the way the project is just becoming something that's really representative of the field at large. It's not just one perspective or we're not sort of siloing things together. It's something that's really... Coming to represent a lot of different voices, and I think that in that sense, I'm hoping, at the very least, that we're sort of trying to change the scene of religious studies a bit in the way that we are trying to sort of really diversify what is being represented. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think we're I think we're really deconstructionist of, about a lot a lot of these issues. We see the field internationally, right? Because we are from multiple continents. We see methodological diversity because of the the, the vast array of contexts and subjects and chronologies and data sets that, that folks are using. And in each time we diversify in one of those ways, I think it it forces us as editors to think about the ways in which we're always uh, omitting things where there's all these gaps that we're always trying to fill, and so you and I have been really conscious on the editorial side about trying to to, to do our best, um, not not simply a coverage model, but but a model that puts voices that that need more exposure that should be central to the field and elevating them as, as high as we can go, and that means early scholars, that means um, you know scholars that are they're from. Disciplines that that sit alongside religious studies, with all the closures in the United States due to the pressures economically of the past year uh, and politically of the past year. One of the things that we're seeing is that religious studies is really under attack as a, as a discipline. And so, one of the, the the consequences of this diversification that we're trying to do is simply looking at the biggest tent where work on religion. And religious studies and critical thinking on religion is happening and being open to sociologists and anthropologists and art historians and, and trying to bring in all those new voices. It's been a challenge, but it's hugely rewarding, uh, I've found. And and really, it makes me feel like even though those of us that are not on the tenure track and I'm not on the tenure track and you're outside of the tenure track working in a museum, it, it gives us a, a foothold on – on the field that that, that I sometimes feel that so many of us lack. And and I really appreciate that.
1: And I definitely think what you're saying there too is, as you've said, religious studies is sort of under attack is in working with different fields, we've proved the longstanding relevance of religious studies, that we're not going there anywhere and that we really need to be working with other fields because without our methodologies, without our views, we're missing something and the academy is missing something. And even though we might be tiny little departments in in the majority of universities, we might even be sort of conglomerated with something else. We bring something unique, not only to the understanding of religion in the past, but to the understanding of our contemporary world. And we've had so many episodes this year, and I'm really thinking of our discourse episodes in particular, that discuss current affairs. And coming from that religious studies angle often shines so much light on what is going on in our world at the moment. And it's something that I think we need to continue to push, which is the relevance of our field.
0: Yeah. I think the pressures that we've all been under really suggest that the humanity should be rallying around itself and around the value of fields that take the human experience seriously and try to understand why people do the things they do and how they see the world and it's frustrating for for a lot of us that would like this work to be better funded and better supported mm. because it, it, it seems so evident to us what the what the benefits of of that work is and so every every week when we release a new episode i just hope that you know one more person will get it, right One more person will be will buy in to <laughs> to the program that we're selling, which is um, the critical study of religion tells us about the world that we live in and the way in which we live in it, and that without that particular set of apparatus that that come with our our critical perspective, we we're simply not able to tell the story. like the story is not complete without us
1: and that's why i'm so excited about this upcoming season looking at the schedule that i know you and i only have eyes on that is something we're definitely you know committed to going forward is is diversity is deconstructing boundaries it's raising voices and it is you know we're just getting bigger and better and we have a lot of people to thank for that all of the people who work at the project all of our listeners all of our patrons all of our trustees that help us to as i said get bigger and better every year and you know in our 10th season that's something that going forward i know that we're going to continue to do
0: brie can you can you imagine that you and i are david back in and david and chris back in 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 2012 talking to us here who is going to be talking who is going to be talking about about us in 5 years um what are what are they going to say about what the project has become uh in mm-hmm. the future you know at some point we'll have to let it go <laughs> 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 seems seems likely so so what would we want to have uh to give in to them and what we like what would we like them to say looking back at us
1: wow what a question um I will never let it go. No, I'm only kidding. I will eventually (laughs) pass it on. Um, I would love for somebody in five years to look back at what you and I achieved during our times as as co-editors-in-chief or whatever we want to call ourselves. And I would really love them to look back and think, you know, we really took the project in a direction that gave everybody – in the field a space to share their research, you know, not just the big wigs. Yes, I love the big wigs and we love you and we thank you and we thank you for being part of the project, but I really value giving space and time to people who are at the start of their journey. You know, they've just finished their PhD or they're writing, writing a response during their PhD and I really would love the project to be seen as something that gives people a leg up on their journey into the academy. And that's a really tough question, though, Dave, I'm going to throw it right back at you.
0: I think the thing that that I hope is that the security of the archival process that we're participating in is, is something that will really be looked back on as something that we kept in mind. Part Part of my goal in the website revisions has been to really make sure that all of the material that we've Accumulated that all of that has been published is really accessible. That all that all the things that that can be transcribed are being transcribed. That all of um, the podcasts are are really easy to find in Google searches, and that students and teachers and um, uh, any classroom that needs access to this kind of material can can get it. And, and I hope that when people look back at, at what you and I have done, they can see. The, the effort that that you and I have made in order to make sure that what we are are participating in has a long shelf life it has longevity and that it has stability to be what it is already one of the largest if not the single largest repository in the whole world for uh, religious studies podcasts featuring the critical scholarship on religion we we are the the original we are the oldest we are the largest and um that's something to be really proud of the stewardship uh of that and and so that's one of, that's that's my answer is it is that i hope in in five or even 10 years if we're no longer involved with the project that everyone has been able to say yeah we really made an effort to to preserve um all the hard work that you know nearly 600 people over the last 10 years have contributed
5: now i know they wanted to sign off the episode right there but there's uh we can't end this um, celebration um and retrospective and all things rsp without um, a bit of chat about dave and brianne who have been absolutely fantastic um when David and I uh, mooted the idea of, well, it was was even a few years ago now of trying to put systems in place such that the RSP could eventually be handed on to other folk. Um, And and then this last year and a bit has been us seeing that um, and hearing that happening. Um, And they've just uh, done us so proud and, and they've taken the project and absolutely made it their own
4: absolutely i mean far we we sort of had an idea of what we were hoping um would be the case you know a year after handing on and they are they they went so far beyond that it's it's very gratifying to see the other thing that's very gratifying is to hear them talk about their own pride in it and their own ownership of it um and you know breen saying she never wants to give it up whereas i sort of half expected her to be cursing my name for leaving her with this monstrous responsibility but that you know that is that that is very rewarding yeah Um,
5: you know a sincere thank you um the website's looking fantastic the episodes come out without david and i haven't have anything to do with it we we now get to be true listeners um for the vast majority of things and you know i wouldn't even say that we're i think before i'd use the analogy of us being you know maybe the the people up on in the bridge of the the ship and uh, but the rsp being a much bigger ship with a lot of people contributing to it i don't even think that we're um We're not on the bridge of that ship anymore. We're maybe um, sitting back in our comfy armchairs occasionally um, phoning in to the captain.
4: Yeah, we're in the retirement home back at Starfleet Control, wherever the yeah. home planet in Star Wars is. I, I Star Trek. I don't know the, I don't know the analogy well enough. But that, oh. we, you know, we get we get phoned up every so often when there's a problem with the ship. That's
5: yeah. about it. No, I, mean, I was referring to like you know warships, right? You know, like you know. So that's fine. <laughs> um, this is just indicative as well of um, you know this is quite a serious podcast as well. And um, uh, in terms of this particular one, you've been listening to. Uh, uh, there maybe would be scope for an entire other podcast of reminiscences of some of the crazy things that have gone on. Some of the places that podcasts have been recorded, lots of random hotel rooms and uh, corridors and cafes and,
4: um, and And, yeah, and weird old medieval buildings and, uh, you know, random golf clubs and all sorts.
5: Yeah. um, And, you know, uh, particularly, you know, some of those, earlier ones um uh, we were probably less professional in terms of our consumption of alcohol and that kind of thing um and i remember um you know like you know, one memory i have is um and benjamin bait halami i think it was like my my seventh interview or something i recorded I, I was going to after the bsr i went to the esr and then the triple S R. just sort of conference cruising and i was in milwaukee and he was on the bill and i emailed him i was like i see you're at this conference that i'm at can we do an interview and he said oh no my name's just on the paper Um my i live in in brooklyn um but i haven't made the trip and I just happened to be sightseeing in New York um uh, a couple of days later, so arranged and, and ended up um sort of traipsing well off the beaten track um uh, around New York um and did an excellent interview there. Um and you... I
4: remember I remember hearing the this police sirens in the background and the, yeah. like like something out of a film.
5: But and that was just an example of you know, I was an absolute nobody. And you know, I'd bagged you know, Grace Davy and Arvind Goertz and, and a few others in the, in the weeks preceding. Um, and it was great to have that. You, you had an interesting experience with a, a, a big name, didn't you? Uh,
4: yeah, well, um, yeah. So another example of just sending an email and this case, it was to Bruno Latour when he was visiting Edinburgh and he agreed to an interview with me and, um, I hadn't expected him to say yes, so I was suddenly in this situation of panic, of having to read um, three or four of his uh, fairly dense books in the space of a week preparing for this interview, yeah. uh, which, you know, it was an amazing intellectual exercise, and I'm still kind of uh, <laughs> juggling the ramifications of that, but he was, he was very generous um, with his time and his attention. Uh, but, you know, another example of if you don't reach out, you don't try, then you, um, it doesn't happen. Yeah, and I, I, I've often said to our
5: interviewers that, that the best interviews can be the ones that you feel least prepared for, because you'll maybe ask questions that the uh, the listeners um, would be more interested in asking rather than something quite in-depth. But, yeah, sitting down with Bruno Latour with having um, not read any of his work would probably not have been the, the best idea. Um, so, you know, we... No, don't...
4: Don't stop to think about it is the is the answer. Yeah. Listen, there's a couple more people to thank. Um, first is uh, your good self, Chris, because without um, the working relationship that we quickly fell into, um, none of this would have happened. Um,
5: and you too, David. Um, I've, since we did hand over to Brianne and Dave, um, I've been greatly missing our sort of fortnightly uh, meetups which you know have happened in yeah you know, th- there was even that time i was working um for the scottish green party and it was right across the road from your house so we got into a nice habit of having um lunch every couple of weeks um we we'll have been missing that oh, well.
4: yeah uh, well it's it's not finished it's just uh you know things things are um getting old a little <laughs> a little chaotic at the moment we'll get back into it um the other person though that we need to thank is you the listener because without people listening to this um it's just chris and i talking to ourselves um, and David. And <laughs> yeah indeed um well th- you know they started off as listeners as well um the it, it's all the people listening and I remember like when the first couple of episodes coming out and watching the numbers, a yeah. hundred people listened to it and you know the numbers of it, the weekly episodes, the numbers are astonishing now yeah. but um, yeah so you know we want to say thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. The RSP is sponsored by the BASR, NAASR and the IAHR and is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation. Find out more at religiousstudiesproject.com Brought to you by editors Brianne Fallon and David McConaughey and founding editors
5: Chris Cotter, that's me, and David Robertson, that's the other guy. Our features are edited by Rebecca Barrett-Fox and Lauren Osborne and our Opportunities Digest by Ella Bach. Audio editing by Alex Matthews, podcast transcription by Andy Alexander and
4: Savannah Finver, and social media managed by Ray Radford and Candice Mixon. Don't forget, you can support the project by using our Amazon affiliate links or donating at patreon.com projectrs. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, and other portals. Thanks for listening.